Uh, may it please the court. Uh, my name is Jed Rubenfeld, and I'm representing Children's Health Defense, the plaintiff and appellant in this action. We'd like to reserve five minutes of our time for rebuttal, and in just a few minutes I'll be turning over uh, uh, my spot to my co-counsel and CHD's chairman, Mr. Robert F. Kennedy, Jr. Your Honors, everybody in this courtroom knows that the Internet is the modern public square and that the gatekeepers of this square engage in censorship, viewpoint-based censorship. But, Your Honors, this morning, on this appeal, the question is much narrower. That kind of censorship may be the gravest threat to freedom of speech in America today, but the question today uh, 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 is a simple one. Uh, we're not arguing that Facebook is a state actor for all purposes. This is a 12B6 motion, and all we're asking for is a very narrow ruling, one dictated by established law, and that ruling is this. That where the plaintiff comes forward with specific plausible allegations that, one, Facebook has entered into an agreement, an actual agreement with the government, with the White House itself, to censor a whole category of speech that the government doesn't want people to hear. Some of that activity that you've identified seems to post-date some of the challenge conduct. Doesn't that present a, a problem? Uh, no, Your Honor. Respectfully, I don't think it does. That statement is made uh, uh, in Facebook's brief. It's just uh, not true as a matter of fact. Uh, it postdates some, but uh, the most important single act of censorship in this case is the deplatforming of Mr. Kennedy. When Facebook terminated his 800,000 follower Instagram account on does, February 10th. Does CHD have standing to assert that deplatforming, or would he need to be added as an additional plaintiff? Oh, I think that question is uh, is a pretty open and shut one, Your Honor. Uh, we do have standing. So, uh, in the uh, 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 Alamo Foundation case out of the Supreme Court, uh, the court held that foundations have the have standing to assert the rights of their uh, uh, officers. Uh, uh, Mr. Kennedy is the chairman of CHD, and we have standing. In, in this court, uh, in the Hakaluma case, held that uh, associate, uh, uh, foundations have the right to assert the First Amendment rights of their uh, associates and employees. So I, I think we clearly have standing to assert, uh, assert the uh, uh, injury of Mr. Kennedy's First Amendment rights, which, in turn, are extremely injurious to CHD itself. Mr. Kennedy is the chief spokesman for CHD as well as its chairman and, and fundraiser, and it has reputational and uh, monetary harm to have him deplatformed from Instagram. Now, that deplatforming happened in February 10th, on February 10th, 2021, after the agreement, which I was just mentioning, was entered into between the White House and Facebook to censor a whole category of speech. So we have an agreement to censor a whole category of speech. We have action on that agreement just a few days later, and in this case, uh, uh, plaintiff alleges and these allegations must, of course, be taken as true uh, uh, for the purpose of this motion. The government actually told Facebook, the White House told Facebook to censor Mr. Kennedy, to deplatform him. By name, specifically. Where did they say that? Uh, twice, Your Honor. Um, uh, most importantly, uh, there's a letter which mentions Mr. Kennedy by name sent by two senators to Facebook. But most importantly... Yeah, but you're, you're equating a letter sent by two senators to the government... No, uh, most importantly, I just uh, I, I wanted to, the court to be aware of that. Most importantly, the White House press secretary, Ms. Saki, said specifically she admitted that Facebook had uh, that the government, the White House, had contacted Facebook and asked them to deplatform 12 individuals, one of whom was Mr. Kennedy. That's a specific reference. In fact, she said some of these people, 
still have a, a, a one a, a account on one platform when they've been uh, deplatformed from another. Uh, and the only person satisfying that uh, description was Mr. Kennedy. This is a specific reference to Mr. Kennedy. They asked, the White House asks uh, uh, Facebook to, to, to deplatform him. And by the way, that is not the platform. And from the deplatform Instagram. And from Instagram, they specifically asked for that. The uh, deplatforming from Instagram occurred on February 10th. Uh, 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 2021. That's an 800,000 follower count. The agreement between Facebook and the White House was reached days before that. And this is uh, but from this is our allegation. It should be taken as true on this motion. But this is from admissions made by the White House and Facebook itself from uh, uh, late January, early February, saying White House says uh, we reached out to Facebook and asked them for their assistance. Would they help us? Would they help us stamp out and get rid? of uh, what they call COVID misinformation. Facebook says, they got back to the White House and says, we, they say, we agree to provide any assistance we can. That's request and acceptance. That's an agreement. Right there, it's an agreement. And uh, under this court's... It's not an agreement to do something specific. It's an agreement to words, do... And that we, we agree in general to help them, but in terms of each specific act that was that you were complaining about, did they say deplatform him from Instagram? Instagram? Did they say cut off the button that allows people to donate? I believe on Facebook. Um, did they? Did they? Did they tell them to take any specific action as opposed to voicing concerns about what they describe as the false information that's being disseminated on, on social media? Respectfully, Your Honor, uh, uh, I would say two things. One, yes, they did. Yes, they did ask for a specific deplatforming, Mr. Kenny, very unusual, but not legally necessary. They did ask for it, but not legally necessary. If the government agrees with private airlines to search every bag that fits a certain profile or every bag, um, uh, unless in probable well, that's a specific. But if the airline agreed and did it, the fact that the uh, government did not direct them to take any specific search would not mean that the searches were not state action. This I one is so the government and, your, and what you just said, that the government asked the airlines to take that specific act. The specific act here is to is to censor uh, COVID misinformation, uh, and the analogy is well, that's that the, pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty general. Well. I don't know why it's general, Your Honor. Uh, the CDC has identified what counts as uh, misinformation. Uh, Facebook says that they take it, they take the CDC's statements for what counts as misinformation and use that to censor uh, 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 their, their platform. And uh, uh, CHD and Mr. Kennedy were caught up in that net. Uh, and again, uh, it's just like an airline. If an airline said uh, we're going to search all bags uh, of passengers meeting a certain profile, the fact that they didn't say search this bag wouldn't mean that a passenger who fit the profile uh, couldn't raise the Fourth Amendment claim. And suppose suppose there were a, a national newspaper um, whose editors you know, just really, really like the current administration. This is a hypothetical. Um, and uh, you, you, you could come up with evidence that they, uh, you know, the reporters meet with administration officials and you know, lots of examples of you know, the press secretary says X and then a couple of days later they'll run an editorial saying, you know, that's great. Um, and they 
publish lots of different op-eds by different people, but they never allow anything that deviates from the, the party line. Uh, would a, you know, a would-be uh, op-ed contributor who they refuse to publish um, have a First Amendment claim against the newspaper uh, as a state actor because of its coordination with the government? Uh, obviously a, a, a central excellent question, Your, Your Honor, but I believe the line is crossed uh, in two ways. One, with the formation of an agreement. That's what this court has held. What just uh, just last year in the Atkinson case, another Facebook case, the Atkinson case just last year, this court stated expressly, plaintiff does not offer facts that would make a joint action claim plausible, such as an agreement between the government and meta platforms. That's this court's statement in Atkinson. Of course, that's just what we allege. So if in your, in your hypothetical, Your Honor, the government entered into an agreement. Hey, uh, uh, will you work with us? Uh, can we have a partnership to uh, uh, not allow those op-eds to be published? And the, and the paper said, yeah, we'll do that. Let's agree. We'll do it. We are, we're in. Count us in. That's what Facebook did. So an agreement is one, and coercive pressure is the other. We have numerous allegations in this case of repeated threats made by powerful governmental actors to uh, well, I, I, I don't. I don't see this. I mean, you rely on some letter by Adam Schiff. Small, you know, represents some one of about fifty congressional districts in California. No, sir. We uh, letters from 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 a small number of senators. No, sir. We rely on. Is that is that is that serious? I think it is, sir. Uh, uh, we rely on repeated statements made at hearing after hearing by the uh, Senate Antitrust Committee, the Senate Commerce Committee, the House Commerce Committee. Statements made publicly. Uh, yeah, but that's one. These are individual members of one branch of the government. This, this now constitutes conduct by the government of the United States. It's one thing when Congress passes a statute, possibly even a resolution. But what you're relying on is, is I mean, I mean, Justice Scalia, in a slightly different context, talking about what deference should be paid to statements made by members of Congress on the floor regarding bills, you know, showed that this was all a joke. Well, I don't think it's in terms of in terms of in terms of of, uh, of congressional intent. Well, when this I, mean, I, I find this a little almost unbelievable that you're making this argument that this is the government. I'm, I'm sorry that you find it unbelievable, sir. But the test is uh, whether an objective person would. Uh, uh, interpret the statements uh, uh, reasonably as uh, uh, an intimation that government uh, consequences might fall. That's the test from the Second Circuit adopted by this court in the American Family case. And when the Speaker of the House, the Chairman of the Antitrust Committee, the whole uh, uh, House Commerce Committee says to you that we're going to take away, we're going to legislate to hold you accountable and take away these million-dollar advantages you have if you don't do X, I would think it's reasonable for the company being so threatened to think they mean it. And with that, Your Honors, I'm going to turn things over uh, uh, to my co-counsel, Mr. Kennedy. Thank you. Thank you, Counsel. Mr. Kennedy. Uh, Mr. Kennedy, you're muted. Your Honors, excuse my voice, which is really bad today. I want to address Judge Corman's um, question about whether that is an authentic coming from the United States Senate, from these key chairs, a committee from the Speaker of the House, the White House, the chairs of key committees with the capacity to destroy 
way to financially annihilate this company, promising again and again and subpoenaing Mark Zuckerberg before Congress and telling him repeatedly again and again, if you do not censor CHD and Mr. Kennedy or this category of speech, which is not, by the way, CHD, which we ought to have the capacity to show in front of the jury, we have never posted a single item of misinformation about COVID countermeasures and vaccines. You have the Senate, the key chairs of the key committees of both House and Senate, saying to Mark Zuckerberg, we are going to end your Section 230 of the entity, which is the heart and soul of the business model of that company. It is financial annihilation for that company. If you do not censor these people, that is authentic threat. You cannot get a more real than that. They also threaten him with antitrust enforcement. Of these were not empty threats. These were, these were, was a unanimity in the most, among the most powerful members of those committees, in some cases, the majority committees, as well as the White House, telling him, here is specifically what we are going to do to you. If you do not make yourself a surrogate for a government censorship campaign, your honor, one of the foundation stones of American democracy is the assumption that Americans ought to be able to criticize their governments and that governments that have the capacity to silence that criticism have a license to commit any atrocity. Here, Mark Zuckerberg, because of these threats and by virtue of a direct, explicit agreement, has made himself a surrogate in a government censorship campaign. And that is something that we ought to be able to prove at trial. Thank you, Your Honor. I'll reserve the rest of our time for rebuttal. Thank you, Mr. Kennedy. Ms. Mehta. May it please the Court, Sonal Mehta on behalf of Apelli's Meta Platforms, Inc. and Mr. Zuckerberg. I want to take a step back and focus on the issue that was presented to the district court and the legal issue that is presented to this court. And that is whether taking the factual allegations and all plausible inferences as true, CHD has stated a claim of state action or on its statutory claims has met the 12B6 requirements for pleading. And I think the critical issue on which the district court correctly focused, and we would urge this court to focus, is what are the specific factual allegations that could give rise to a claim of state action under either a joint action or coercion? But we can also consider some of the additional materials that were submitted that are reflective of what a further amendment could have shown. So some of the things are attachments to declaration. We've said that you can consider those in reviewing that. So that's part of the mix in terms of applying Iqbal, right? Yes, Judge Collins, they are. And the district court did exactly that. Judge Ilston looked at all of the supplementary materials that followed the second amended complaint and viewed it as essentially a proffer as to what could have been done if an amendment had been allowed. And nothing that is in those supplementary materials changes the state action analysis in any way. Because ultimately, 
What about the comment in, you know, February 19th, 2021 report that the Biden administration was talking to social media companies so they understand the importance of misinformation and disinformation and how they can get rid of it quickly. Is that kind of coordination between the government and the platform operator does not implicate state action concerns? No, Your Honor, it does not. And the reason for that is even accepting that allegation is true. That suggests common interests in a problem and maybe even coordination to look into the problem. But what it doesn't do is come anywhere close to the standard for state action under Bloom or under Mathis. How do you distinguish Skinner? I mean, because Skinner is against the background of immunity. And so the platform operates essentially an essential part of its ability to operate and to manage other people's speech is the immunity conferred by Section 230. So you have the immunity and then you have coordination with the government in terms of removing information the government doesn't like. The government defines what it considers to be misinformation. And then the platform takes it down. That's not enough to fit within Skinner? So I have two responses to that, Your Honor. One is I actually would dispute the second part of that question, and I'll explain why in just a moment. But secondly, even if I accept all of those allegations at face value, the answer is no. The part that I dispute is that the government said this is what we want you to take down. And that's the critical distinction between the facts alleged and all plausible inferences here and the types of cases in which you might find joint action. Unlike or like Blum, unlike the United Circuit's case and decision in Mathis, there was nothing here in the statements that are alleged that defines any particular rule of decision or would compel any particular result with respect to CHD or with respect to any actor. The statements that the CDC makes, for example, about vaccination are not considered as part of what constitutes misinformation. Inconsistency with the CDC statements is irrelevant to the misinformation determination? No, Your Honor, but it doesn't compel the results. So what I mean by that is a private actor like Meta or like its third-party fact-checkers could, of course, consult the CDC or anyone as a source of information on what is accurate or not accurate when it comes to public health. But that doesn't define what the decision would be in any particular case. Does it have to amount to compulsion? I mean, when you have this background immunity and then you have coordination with the government and then you have various powerful members of Congress saying effectively, nice immunity you have there. Shame if anything ever happened to it. That isn't enough to cross the line in Skinner? So there are two responses to that, Your Honor. The first is it's not enough. I want to tease apart those things and then we can talk about them all together. It is not enough for the federal government to say we're interested in finding misinformation or we want you to take steps to combat misinformation. Under this court's precedent in Mathis and under Blum from the Supreme Court, there has to be evidence or here in this case an allegation that's plausible that they so influence the decision that the choice must be in law deemed to be that of the government. And in what we found, what the court found in Mathis was there has to have been a standard that was applied that would compel the result. It's not enough 
state a general interest in a problem. The fact that there is an independent statutory immunity that has nothing to do with vaccine misinformation or CHD or any of the conduct challenged here, but instead provides a neutral, a neutral immunity that allows the content provider platform like Meta to publish or not publish doesn't change that analysis because, again, there's no connection between that immunity and the actual decision here or the standards that were applied here by Meta or by its third-party fact-checkers. Nor would the statements that are alleged to be coercive change that analysis because statements from an independent legislator are not, even if they did amount to a threat, which I don't think is a plausible inference from letters that are simply asking questions, even if they're aggressively phrased questions about whether or not platforms are doing enough to combat misinformation or whether or not platforms should be subject to Section 230 immunity, even if you take those questions and those signals of interest from individual legislators at face value and you say, yes, those are threats, a statement from an individual legislator that doesn't have the power to do anything isn't coercive. And coupling that with a neutral immunity that doesn't have anything to do with the specific challenge action or define any rule of decision with respect to the challenge action, and coupling that with general statements of a joint interest in a regulatory problem, even altogether, none of those things would, or the totality of those things, would not amount to state action because there's no connection or causal nexus between all of those things and the actual state action here that would yield the result that you need under Plum or under Mathis, which is that it was the government's choice. So if there was a specific conversation between Mr. Zuckerberg and a government official about deplatforming Mr. Kennedy from Instagram, followed by his deplatforming, is it your position that that would not be enough to establish state action? So, first of all, Your Honor, that's not the timeline. I think there may be some confusion about the timeline. I'm giving you a hypothetical. I want to know the answer to that because I want to know where your line is between joint interest coordination and state action. So if there was a conversation in which a government actor said, you know, we really think you should take a hard look at Mr. Kennedy's page and we have concerns about it, and then a platform made its own judgment to take action, that wouldn't be joint action because the government has not, in that case, inserted itself into the decision. If the government said, here's a set of rules that we want you to apply, and under these rules you're necessarily going to have to take action against Mr. Kennedy by name, or by virtue of the rules defined, the outcome would be mandated that that particular content would come down or be labeled, then I think you'd be in a joint action situation. Here, what is alleged, and the timeline is important, what is alleged is that there were general statements about combating misinformation. Then Mr. Kennedy was deplatformed from Instagram, not from Facebook. Then there was a letter from Senator Klobuchar asking questions about why certain individuals were continuing to be permitted to be on the platforms, and then months later there was a statement from the White House press secretary that was referenced in the prior argument from my friend in which there were some questions raised about certain individuals. But the only thing that predated the deplatforming of Mr. Kennedy from Instagram in that whole chronology was the general discussion 
about combating misinformation. Can I ask you, suppose, I mean, this is a variation on the hypothetical from Judge Collins. Suppose the government says, you know, we're going to start, you know, we have this new office in DHS, we're going to start promulgating a list of, you know, people who are spreading misinformation. And then they go to you and they say, well, will you agree to deplatform the people on the list? And you say, you know, sure, we're with you. And then they start publishing the list and periodically they update it. And then Facebook follows the list and every time the list changes, you know, they get rid of the people who are on the list. Would that be sufficient joint action to constitute state action? I think it would depend a little bit on the rest of the circumstances around that, including whether there's independent judgment being made by the platform. So, for example, if there is a list and it's given to the platform and the platform says, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, we're going to deplatform these people, and there's no judgment or discretion that's being independently applied, I think that looks a lot more like what would constitute state action under a joint action theory. But if there is a list of people that are provided by some state actor, the state actor says, we have an interest in fighting misinformation. You share that interest and we're concerned these people might be promulgating misinformation on the platform. And then there is independent professional judgment exercised by the platform to evaluate whether or not those people are actually promulgating misinformation and they're using independent criteria, not some preset matrix where they simply just apply the formula that the government gave them, then that wouldn't be like misinformation. That wouldn't be joint action. Wasn't there independent judgment in Skinner whether to undertake the drug testing? It wasn't compelled in Skinner. It was just that they created a framework where they gave them the immunity and encouraged and made clear that they wanted it, and the Supreme Court said that was enough. Yes, Your Honor, but in Skinner, what the Supreme Court found was that there was a significant thumb on the scale in terms of what the desired outcome would be. And here, the immunity, a Section 230 immunity that is provided is only provided to give them the ability to exercise their own discretion to decide what to publish or not to publish without legal consequences under the statute. It doesn't say you should go about this immunity is protecting you so that when you do the thing we want you to do, you're immunized from doing it. Is it fair to say that as a practical matter, you could not operate the platform and you could not exercise the control you do over communications on the platform if Section 230 were repealed? Isn't that a fair statement? I don't know that that's true, Judge Collins. What about the Stratton Oakbound problem again? I mean, that led to this statute. You'd be paralyzed. You'd either need to shut it down or you'd need to aggressively take down everything. Well, so Judge Collins, I think there's other rights at play, including the First Amendment rights of the platforms themselves, but none of that goes to the question at issue here. Even if I accept the premise of the question for purposes of our discussion that the platforms need 230, the fact that the platforms are given a neutral immunity doesn't create state action for purposes of decisions about what to actually do. It's an immunity to give you a free hand in taking down speech. That's what the immunity is. And so the government creates the immunity to allow you to take down speech, 
and then it tells you what speech it wants you to take down. And because you exercise independent judgment in accepting the government's conclusions, there's no state action. Is that no, that's your position? No, Your Honor, and I, I think there's there's a missing piece to that, which is what Section 230 says is that the platforms have a statutory immunity to publish or to not publish. So it is not the case that the statutory immunity only protects decisions to take things down. It also protects decisions to leave things up. It but, is but it says you're not the publisher of the things you leave up. I mean, that's, that's a curious thing. You, for First Amendment purposes, you pretend you're a big magazine with, with 50, 50 million article writers of articles, but you're not the publisher of any of them for any purpose other than the ability to take them down. So, Your Honor, I think the fundamental premise of the question as to Skinner is, in Skinner, there was a particular immunity, and, it, 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 and it, what it did was prevent the railroads from bargaining away the right to do things, and it pushed towards a particular result. And Section 230 doesn't... And didn't the government actually want the fruits of the testing? It did, Your Honor. It did. And it was all directed to a particular end result, and that's why in Skinner, the immunity was just a piece of the overall government state action. Here, the Section 230, and I know I'm over time, so I'll finish the response to your question, Your Honor. Section 230 is neutral as to whether or not you are leaving things up or taking things down, and the fact that there is discussion amongst legislators, individual legislators, about whether or not 230 should continue in its current form doesn't amount to coercion and certainly can't amount to joint action with respect to combating this information, which has to go to an actual specific action here with respect to CHP or Mr. Kennedy that was jointly done by the government in a way that would, under the Supreme Court's precedent in Blum, show that the choice must be in law to be deemed that of the government, and that is what is missing, and Section 230 and neutral immunity doesn't change that. It simply cannot change that. Thank you, Ms. Mehta. Mr. Karamanica? Good morning, Your Honor. May it please the Court, Mark Karamanica for the Pointer Institute for Media Studies, Inc. In my limited time here, I'd just like to focus on exactly who Pointer is, what it does, why it's been sued here, and the sort of dearth of allegations against it and how they relate to the claims that have been asserted. Pointer Institute practices journalism. It's done that for decades, and two of the things that it does that are relevant here, it operates the branded news service PolitiFact, which does fact-checking journalism, which is essentially reporting on other people's content and the accuracy of that content. In 2015, two years before CHD even started a Facebook page, it founded the International Fact-Checking Network, which is basically a private certification body for fact-checkers. So why is it being sued here? It's being sued here mainly, as the district court noted, because it conducted a single fact-check on content that CHD shared on its page that was published by a third party, Collective Evolution. That fact-check rated the headline of the subject article as false and misleading. Ultimately, as it's shown in the record, the third party agreed with that criticism and actually changed the headline. Nonetheless, we've now been sued under multiple counts 
But what the allegations against us are really bare. It really boils down to the fact that we did this agreed to fact check on third-party content, not about CHD, that we run the IFCN, which according to CHD um, is, exists to anoint other fact checkers to go out and discredit CHD. Um, and essentially that we've uh, in the past received some funding from Meta, from the U.S. State Department, and um, the National Endowment for Democracy uh, really uh, it was essentially some congressionally allocated Department of State money. Um, that, that's why we're here. Um, and frankly, the, the allegations um, do not get us to where um, we are in terms of linking us to government action. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion about that in the argument today. There's not a single allegation that Pointer was um, in any way uh, uh, asked by the government to do its bidding, any sort of coercion by the government. No allegations of coordination. We, and to, to be clear, I'm not suggesting, I think the district court got it right um, when they dismissed uh, Mr. Zuckerberg and Facebook, but as, as applied to us, those, those allegations are so far removed. We've been swept up in this, and we would ask the court to cross With respect to any of the conduct at issue in this case, assert that it is protected by Section 230 immunity, or, or does it? concede that because it's its own speech, it, that's not really an issue with respect to the point. The, the platform has Section 230 immunity. Um, generally under 230 um, immunity, the, the speaker itself um, is, is not uh, subject to those types of protections. But um, here, again, we had a, a criticism uh, of fact check that was agreed to. There's there's no debate here that, um, and if you go to the fact check, you'll see Pointer lays out all the bases. You can click, go through to their website. It lays out all the bases and sources for how they made that determination that the headline was false and misleading. And Collective Evolution agreed with that. So, you know, as far as the accuracy of the fact check, it's our position that that's a, that's a non-issue. Thank you, counsel. Thank you, Your Honors. Uh, I'd like to make just two points on rebuttal. First, <clears throat> to Judge Collins's point, this case is just like Skinner, only stronger. The uh, Skinner case involved an immunity provision like Section 230, and as the court emphasized, uh, uh, the, the government made it plain that they had a strong preference that uh, the private actor engage in the conduct that was immu immunized. We have exactly the same thing here, repeated expressions of strong preference that uh, uh, the big tech platform censored. And, and Skinner, it also, it also, and the court, because I'm recording the, the language of the court, but also its desire to share the fruits of such intrusions. Yes, exactly, Your Honor. In other words, it was encouraging it, but it also was, it was essentially wanting to be a partner. Yes, and that's exactly. In the, in the actual conduct. Well, I don't which, know is why I, which is why I asked you to begin at the beginning of what specific, uh, what specifically was done. Did, the, did, did anybody ask it, that, that the government, however you wanted to find the term, and you were, you, 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 my view, you're way off the panel or off the charts. Did the government say, take Instagram off? 
United States uh, about information that it had reason, it, 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 it was concerned about accurate information and inaccurate information that was being disseminated. And is it your view that any time the CDC voices concern about a particular uh, comment that's made or the accuracy of it, that that's somehow uh, governmental action because of the existence of Section 230, which was enacted long before this particular um, uh, events occurred? Yes, Your Honor. Uh, so, first of all, um, the government is very much sharing the fruits of uh, CHT censorship. It, uh, it, it, it uh, 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 helps the government uh, achieve its policy directives and insulates the government from criticism. Number two, uh, it Are you is serious. Yes, yes, Your Honor, I'm, I'm, I'm quite serious. And the uh, 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 I would also like to stress, and this goes to uh, 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 Judge Miller's question. Uh, my friend is uh, describing this case as if it's a post-trial case. This is 12b-6. You're, we are entitled to discovery on the very issues, Judge Corman, that you're quite properly raising. We are entitled to discovery on whether the agreement was of the form that Judge Miller was suggesting. Will you do this? Yes, we'll do it. If you put up, if we put up the list, yes, we'll but do it. You, you, you allege that in your complaint? Yes, we allege that Facebook is telling... Uh, 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 that the, the White House is telling, the CDC is telling Facebook, here's the disinformation. Here's what counts as disinformation. Facebook has admitted that we are advised by uh, uh, public health officials. So we're alleging that CDC tells Facebook, here's what counts as misinformation. Like, for example, the virus didn't originate in the Wuhan lab, which then becomes verboten on Facebook. Where do you think about that from? Point, can I ask about Pointer? Because what's your response that Pointer is differently situated, that you just don't have the kind of allegations of state action with respect to, uh, to Pointer that you have with respect to, uh, to Meta. What's your response to that? Uh, Your Honor, we have alleged in the brief that uh, Pointer uh, and the other uh, so-called independent fact checkers uh, employed by Facebook are not independent. They are Facebook's agents. We have alleged that they're Facebook's agents, bought and paid for. Um, uh, those allegations are not refuted and, and, and by anything in the record and uh, should be taken as true. So Pointer is uh, uh, sued as an agent of Facebook and therefore, in our view, is uh, liable for uh, 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 all the actions taken uh, in concert with Facebook. Um, uh, so why, why, isn't, why isn't the hard natural interpretation of what's happening here that you've got a group of people at Facebook who are you know, having to make these decisions about content moderation and they're people who generally you know, agree with the sort of people who are at the government. And um, it's, it's not that they're being coerced. It's not that they're in cahoots. Uh, it's just that they have a similar view of the world. And so when they, they're thinking to themselves, well, we want to take down what we consider to be misinformation. And you know, we think that the CDC is the place to look for identifying that. Um, and it seems to me that there's a significant First Amendment cost in telling them that they can't use their platform to promote their own view of the world. Uh, so what, why, why is that not the right way to look at it? Well, I think Your Honor is putting uh, your finger right on the central question. So uh, once again, I would say that the evidence and specific allegations of agreement and the evidence and specific allegations 
of uh, coercive pressure make all the difference here, not because we've established anything. These are disputed questions of fact. Your Honor is suggesting, I would say as a hypothetical, that if Facebook is indeed exercising independent editorial judgment and just doing things voluntarily because it shares the same views, that's one case. But we don't know. And we're entitled to discovery because we have alleged plausible allegations that uh, state a plausible claim of joint action and coercion under this court's precedence, and we precisely don't know and are entitled to target a discovery to find out, well, was it independent? What did what did the White House say in those communications that they have that we don't have? What did the CDC say in the communications that they have that we don't have to find out precisely? Was it independent, voluntary, or were they being told? Were they under threat? Was there an agreement? What did they agree to? Well, then, but then what stops them going back to the hypothetical I asked you? You were up the first time I what stops the you know, person, you know, whoever the New York Times will run his op-ed, like he can sue them and now he gets discovery and he can find out, like they, they have to divulge all of their communications with the, the administration because he can allege, like, well, I, I think if I got discovery, I could prove that you really have an agreement with them. Um, that, that seems hard to believe, but it, it isn't that the, well, why is this different from that? I would say it's different because in this case we have the White House saying uh, and the CDC saying we have entered into a partnership with these uh, companies to do the thing we're trying to do, which in this case is censor um, uh, 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 COVID, so-called COVID misinformation. So we have statements by both parties. We are we have entered into a partnership with them. If the government uh, said, uh, we have entered into a partnership with New York Times to um, uh, do X, Y, and Z, uh, uh, this would raise serious issues. And if the government says, we've entered into a partnership with Facebook for them to clamp down on get rid of what we're calling COVID misinformation, this states a plausible claim of the government getting too close. So these private tech platforms, as Justice Thomas pointed out in his uh, Nike concurrence, now have unprecedented concentrated control over public discourse in America. If the First Amendment is going to survive, we can't let the government enter into agreements with these tech companies or coercively pressure them to use their power to censor. We have specific allegations of coercive pressure and agreement, which differentiate the case from your hypothetical. And that's what entitles us to discovery. The CDC has said we're in a partnership. Facebook, Mr. Zuckerberg himself, says we work with the CDC to take down misinformation. Facebook has said we have told the White House we will provide them with any yes, assistance. In general, to it's to take down information. So what? It's not in general. It's a statement that we are it's working that's together. What I, that's the point that I was getting to. They could the CDC and say to, to Facebook, you know, we're all in this together, and we should try and get rid of this information. That doesn't tell them to do anything to to uh, Facebook. Well, Your Honor, I would say, and these factors are cumulative, they're additive, that where you have uh, specific allegations of joint action through agreement, of coercive pressure through words, and of the immunity that's given by Section 230. I just want to be sure that I heard you correctly. The joint agreement that you're alleging was to do everything possible not to, to prevent the dissemination of erroneous information regarding, um, I guess, the pandemic. So they enter into that kind of a generalized joint agreement. We don't know. And then you were saying you could, that, that provides you a basis uh, to say that anything that's done by Facebook is, is, is somehow a, a either coerced or makes them a joint actor with the government with respect to that specific act. What Facebook said is we will provide any assistance we can to the White House. Now, if the agreement was of this form, you tell us what to take down, we'll take it down. 
Surely, surely, Your Honors, that states a First Amendment claim. And we don't know if that was the agreement. We're entitled to discovery to find that out, given the statements by both White House and Facebook that we, they had reached out for direct engagement, uh, and, and Facebook agreed to give what assistance, to get all assistance we can to the White House's objective and request to get rid of so-called COVID misinformation, add the Section 230 immunity, add the coercive pressures. Your Honors, I would... Uh, our position is that when these factors come together in a given case, this has got to be a, a plausible statement of a state action claim. So, is, so I just want to understand, in terms of, does this come down to none of these members of Congress shooting their mouths off, if they'll forgive me, uh, but to, the, to, to what the White House, what you, what you just said, the White House, is that what your case, your, your case comes down to? Well, I, I think these... Uh, you know, state actions and totality of the circumstances question. I think all these factors are additive. I, I don't believe they're mutually exclusive or in silos. You have strong coercive pressure, as uh, Mr. Kennedy pointed out. This is These are billion-dollar destructive threats being made. You have that on top of the Section 30 immunity and on top of these uh, agreements that have been entered into by Facebook's own admissions with the CDC and the White House. Add these factors together, Your Honors, I, I would suggest that uh, a plausible claim of state action has been stated here. Thank you. Thank you very much. We thank uh, all four counsel for their very helpful arguments. Uh, and the case is submitted.